Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, it's a blast from my past because Todd O'Donnell is coming on the episode to talk about all things insurance. We just talk about life. Todd, actually, yeah, I'll just let you know right now, he's one of the guys that him and I conspired to quit our jobs, get ourselves on breakfast television, and actually quit on live TV. We were going to start this conference that was all about entrepreneurship and business building and how you know jobs were not the path to success. And... Uh, at the time, we were working with another person who works alongside us here at Rockstar, Ruben Furtado, and he was uh, he was part of that. We were he wasn't actually going to quit with us, but he was kind of uh, he was aware of what was going on. We were all at Oracle at the time, so Todd, I've known for a long time. I guess it's going to be almost twenty years. I've known Todd O'Donnell. He went off and started a State Farm agency out in Cambridge. Now he has two offices recently bought by Desjardins Insurance. So we talk about our past, what we went through, why we wanted to quit our jobs. Then we get into some real estate insurance topics, what investors need to know about getting the right insurance for their properties and that sort of thing. All around great guy. You might hear me being a little hard at him at, uh, at the beginning. It's just because we're good friends and uh, I like the guy. So that's how we talk amongst friends. So you're hearing a real life conversation. And we'll leave it at that. And if you are listening to this and you want to join the Rockstar Inner Circle membership, we have something new going on. You can check out all the benefits at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And we have a new promo code for you, YLYT, which stands for Your Life, Your Terms. That's YLYT. If you use that, you get $200 off the initiation fee to sign up as a Rockstar Inner Circle member. So you can find out all the benefits at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And if you use the code YLYT, doesn't matter if it's all caps, lowercase, it'll work both ways. YLYT will save you $200 off signing up as a Rockstar Inner Circle member. That's it. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Todd O'Donnell. And yeah, you do have a great voice, dude. Yeah, just for, for everyone listening here, Todd, I said, Todd, when you come on, it better be the best podcast ever. And uh, Todd's like, well, you know what? I do have the voice. Yeah, there's a bit of a longer story to that one, which we won't uh, get into today, Tom. But uh... are you trying to enhance your voice right now? Listen, I just want to go back to Oracle when I was a much better salesperson than you. Todd and I used to work together. And uh, my sales skills greatly outmatch your sales skills at Oracle. And uh, I forget what patch you had. What, what, where did you sell into before we sold into Canada? I sold into Kansas and Missouri. Yeah. And you had Chicago. I had Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, I had yeah. Chicago. I had great counts. Yeah, for Chicago. those uh, people out there know what a bluebird is, we were just talking about uh, Tom lived on bluebirds. <laughs> I didn't live on bluebirds. Not everyone knows what a yeah. bluebird is. Yeah. Uh, a bluebird is a deal that you, you win. Um, they didn't really know about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I worked really hard. I did get some bluebirds. I did get some bluebirds. But where, where I did well is I could speak tech. Yeah. So I could speak to the CIOs directly and tell them yeah. that Oracle was ripping them off in different ways and to buy this instead of what they had. And I made a lot of great sales. So yeah. it really wasn't it really wasn't that I had a fat patch, Todd. It was that my wealth of experience <laughs> and knowledge 
in the database industry really came to serve me. All the suffering that I had working in the tech support department for multiple years came back to serve me. Absolutely. Where you just got the sales job. You didn't even know what you're selling. You were just reading off a piece of paper. I never did. God knows what you sold. <laughs> God knows what you I sold them licenses, Tom. Licenses. Someone was asking me that the other day. They're like, how did you know what you're selling? And I said, well, the majority of the sales force, like you, well, all of us, we didn't really know. They just put yeah. a piece of paper in front of you. And when we found out the software didn't work as advertised, like a year later, you know, when your customers would call you back saying, yeah. well, it didn't work the way you said it was going to work. We didn't know. We were just told it was going to work a certain way. You, you and I sold it and yeah. then it didn't work. That's right. It was vaporware. It was, but that's the, why we had consultants, right? That's why we had the yeah. consultants. So that's why the consultants loved us so that's much. Right. Um, but uh, the uh, Oracle was also the birth of uh, of nine to five sucks dot ca. Did we register the URL? I think I did. Um, so I was actually I was just going through some old notes. Uh, so do you remember we actually had booked uh, a hall at the Metro Convention Center? Do you remember doing yeah. that? Yeah, because we had Harv Ecker. Yeah, it was was it Harv Ecker yeah. or Allen something or other? I, I think we had a few who, people. Okay, and uh, so I remember you, me, and Ruben drove downtown, booked this place. And then we came back, I remember Jason DeZorma, who was our boss at the time, he's like, where the hell have you guys been all day? So we booked this venue, uh, and yeah, we're gonna have Harvecker and whoever else, and it was gonna be you know, one of these events where they're selling their product and we got a piece of it. So I was going through my notes yesterday, it was exciting, and then I turned to the next page, and the next page, and I'll read, I think, I'll, I, think I had a book Why, because before so. you read the next page, because I think you probably blamed us not proceeding on me. No, God I think, no, I think God you blamed no. us not proceeding on me. So part of this was, remember, we were gonna go on, you know, the idea was we were gonna go on breakfast television and quit. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna quit Oracle live on breakfast television. So we had a you know I, I'm reading this page. I said like, we had great ideas. The event, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be affiliates. You know, seminars. And then I flip to the next page. Next steps: delay hall. <laughs> so we gotta not we gotta unbook the hall. So obviously something happened between this page and the next. So I remember calling Harvecker's off. So for those of you who don't know Harvecker, he was really big. I guess that would have been probably around 2005. We were doing this 2004, yeah, 2004, 2005. And Harvecker was a coming out of the West side of Canada and was a big motivational personal development kind of guy. And I called him saying, Hey, we'll represent you in Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> Like, who are you? I'm like, well, you know, we're just these guys that were working in this tech company, but we want to quit. We'll represent you. We'll do all the marketing for when Harvecker comes to Ontario. And they agreed. Yeah. And I remember running around the office at Oracle saying, we got him. We got him. We got him. I don't know if we booked a hall before or after because we got a couple other guys. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't understand why we didn't proceed because you're right. I forgot we were going to quit live on TV. Yeah, I don't recall exactly what happened. I think we just sort of started thinking about the magnitude of what we were doing. Um, you know, I had young kids, you had young kids, and yeah. it just, I think it was just a bit much. At yeah, the time, right? yeah. Do you remember when Ruben was working next to us running his spreadsheets? Like you and I were doing all the sales and yeah. he was just reporting on spreadsheets, yeah. making all the commissions. Yeah, yeah. We made the calls, blitz calls on Wednesdays. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> blitz calls on Wednesday. Yeah. Oh boy, what a world. That You know what? How much did we learn though from sales? Oh, you know what? Like I look back, like, you know, you were right. You knew what you were selling. I had no idea what I was selling. I didn't care to know. But the training we got, like it was going through my notes again, like Winning Inc. and all that sales training we had for free. And well, sorry, they were paying us actually, and we were getting this training for free. So, and I worked for IBM before, like all this free training I've gotten over the years. Like it's, you know, you can't, you know, the money that was spent on us to do a job that we couldn't do, couldn't really <laughs> do really well. <laughs> but the commissions yeah. were high. That's right. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 uh, I'm amazed. You, you have notebooks on everything you did. Well, no. So, what do you mean? No, there's so notebooks I, right in front of me. I'll give you. I'll give you history. So, this is an old moleskin. So, my brother gave this to me. 
you know, I, the first. Why date, are you telling everyone it's a moleskin? Are you trying to be sophisticated right now? Well, because they're cool. They're yeah. cool books. <laughs> so I get my first date here, August 9, two thousand four. He probably gave it to me a couple of years prior to that, and then the last date in this one was sometime in twenty fourteen. So it took me ten years. Dude, you don't have a lot going on. No, life, God no. From between, yeah. So obviously, didn't have a lot going on. But then I, you know, I now use them now. I've this one here. I've started. Oh geez, this is in January of this year, and I'm almost done. So I've probably gone through five or six since 2014. Well, how did we? How did it work? I left Oracle. I went to Netsuite. Where you, did you? You stayed at Oracle. I stayed you, a little bit longer, and I don't know if you remember. I'd started that wine importing business on the side. Yeah, that's right. I forgot because yeah. then you made the CDs. Yeah, I made the CDs, the drink professor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you were the drink professor. Yeah, I got 500 of them in my basement. Yeah. Do you want to buy yeah. one? Hello, Canada. If you haven't met the drink professor yet, you're, <laughs> you're staring. He happens to sell insurance now, but he's also that's the drink right. professor. That's right. that's right. Yeah, so I went uh, from there. I went to Sleeman. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I totally forgot yeah, about Sleeman. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually how I ended up being a state farm agent was uh, we were, this was a couple of years later. We were getting bought out, so I had my resume out there, and I got a call from a recruiter at State Farm. And she says, you know what? The only reason I called you is my dog's name is Sleeman. My husband loves Sleeman beer, and I saw it on your resume. Dude, you're an insurance agent because, 13 of, a dog's years later, because right? of a dog's name. <laughs> <laughs> what made you get into insurance? A dog's name got a me dog, into yeah. insurance. A dog named Sleeman. Yeah. And what the, the allure to you was, first of all, wait a second, why were they calling these, these are French. No, how does it work? You're an agent so it's, for... Yeah, it, it's a, I'm an agent for... Well, it's now Desjardins. So, I mean, the, the closest model would be like a, a franchise, although it's, it's not. Um, so, yeah, they so, were thanks looking... Thanks for the analogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah. a franchise, but really, yeah, it's, it's clearly not. not. Yeah, it's, it's not. Um, so, yeah, they, you know, they, just, they have recruiters looking for people who want to run their own business. So, I had this call, and it was like, State Farm Insurance. I was like, God, I don't want to work in insurance. And then uh, she just got chatting. It's your own business. Here's the potential. Because you're an agent. It's kind of, I think, like a brokerage. In Ontario, to sell real yeah. estate, you have to join a brokerage. Very similar. So yeah. State Farm yeah. was almost like the brokerage over you, kind of? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's like a, it's, it's a partnership. So, um, you know, they're the insurance company, and I'm the agent that represents them. So we only represent... You know, not State Farm anymore, it's, uh, Desjardins, but we only represent them. So there's no, I don't have other companies that I deal with. Yeah, got it, yeah. got it. Yeah. And then um, the sales pitch to you is it's your own client base. You control your own hour. It's basically your own business. It's your own business with the support of a multi-billion dollar company. So, yeah. What kind of support? Don't oh. give me, don't give me the sales well, they, line. Don't so you just give me a sales line? On well, think of any What kind of support it. are they giving you? You had to hustle all oh, your... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, so what? But the brand name. I mean, okay. it's a lot easier saying, hey, it's Todd O'Donnell calling from State Farm versus it's Todd O'Donnell calling from Todd O'Donnell Insurance. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, but that's what brokers do. Yeah. So, I, I yeah. got it. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. all right. You're yeah. one of those. You wanted the big name behind you. That's right, that's right. But the, <laughs> but they also had the products to sell. They had the, had the insurance. You can't go on your own and sell insurance. Oh, yeah. No, they had a great reputation. I mean, you watch any sporting events, uh, you know, State Farm was all over it. So, it was nice having that behind us. So. Didn't you dress up as the State Farm bear at some parade or something like that? I had somebody else dress up as State oh, Farm did, I did. drove the State Farm PT Cruiser. Oh, yes. oh, sorry. I didn't know you were driving yeah. the PT Cruiser. Yeah. 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 I, I really prefer if you were inside the bear costume. Mm -hmm. I think that's commitment when yeah. you're trying to get new customers. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay, you, you, you have to get your clients. You're at Sleeman. You decide to tell because you had kids. No. Yeah, you had kids already. Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, both my sons. So what was that discussion like when you, you, you were talking to Tara and you are like, hey, I'm going to quit? Um. So I'm going to say Tara because oh, she, she listens to this. She's going to go, oh, my sorry. God, Tom called me Tara. You know what it is? I know Tara's and Tara's. Yeah. And, uh, I, know. Uh, I, yeah. I, I can never keep yeah. it straight. Tara. Yeah. Yeah. No Tara. Worries. No worries. Tara. Um, 
so yeah, so the discussion was, I mean, she knew I wasn't happy and, uh, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart and, uh, good friends of mine had a friend up in Peterborough that was an agent that was being, you know, he was very successful. Um, so I had to chat with him and they make you write this test. It's like, I don't know what it is. If it's a personality test of some sort, you got to pass that first. So pass that. And then it was, does, it, does anyone fail that Tom? They do actually believe <laughs> okay. it. Or not. Yeah. Right. They used to. Just right? checking. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> Ah, Thanks so for the confidence, Tom. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then, uh, yeah, I get into what they call the agent pool, um, and then it's deciding on a location. So that's when the real discussion started, because we were living downtown Toronto, and, um, you know, my offices are now in Cambridge and Guelph. So uh, Yeah, so you were like, in a great spot right off the Danforth there. Like, yeah, you were, yeah. We were actually just there yesterday, just had a look. Uh, no way. Was, yeah, yeah. It's, How was it going back? Uh, it's sad, because the condo's getting built there, so it's been... Right where your house was? Yeah, it's getting knocked down, so no. it's been unoccupied for about two, three years, so it's, uh, it's kind Your of house sad. is unoccupied? Yeah, yeah. It actually had squatters, yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have been completely freaky. It is, yeah, yeah. My kids, I was actually there a few weeks ago with my, uh, my two boys, because we were picking up some furniture from a neighbor that had passed across the street, and our, the number we had bought for the front door was there, so they hopped the fence to try and steal and pull this thing off, but it was screwed into brick so they couldn't get it. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was sad seeing that it's, you know. Yeah, totally. I wonder I wonder what that house, okay, so yours is obviously gone, but I wonder what an equivalent house sells for now. Any oh, idea? Geez. I mean, that was a large, it was a wide semi, now a busy street, but it had a good lot. It was a great area. Yeah, it, I mean, easy, I don't know, a million and change. Wait, do you sure. remember what you bought it for? So in 2000, I paid 236, which was 6,000 over my budget. Wow. You imagine that downtown Toronto, wide semi, three bedroom, and we. Keith, are you listening to this? We sold it in two thousand seven, late two thousand for four fifty five, and then now, yeah, it would be it would have been a million dollars, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you guys are just, so when you looked at areas, you decided because I, I guess that is the big point. How much of a geographical area were they offering? Oh, we could have gone to Ottawa. Pop- we could have gone to Niagara, Toronto, Mississauga. And it's not, uh, sorry, and it's probably not a land area. It's probably population-based or something? Yeah, it's pop- Yeah, they did based on population, how many You basically draw a circle on a map where they do and say this one's available? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so for us, you know, we had young kids. We were on a busy street on the Danforth, and, uh, you know, we thought, you know what, let's just get right out of the city. And we met at school. We met at Laurier in uh, Waterloo. and Cool. That was it. We didn't know anybody, yeah. really. I didn't know that. You guys yeah. met at Laurier? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, huh. I met Tara it, at Laurier. Yeah. yeah, Tara. I know it's Tara, dude. I know. <laughs> listen, I know a bunch of Taras and Taras. I, okay. I, I, yeah. Tell her I apologize for that. It's been a few years. It's oh my gosh. Years. Uh, the uh, um, yeah. Now you just got me thrown <laughs> off on the Tara. I'm like, how did I mess that up? Anyway, Tara, I apologize for that. Um, on the Cambridge. No, so you guys moved to Kitchener. Yeah. Um, Aiden was about to go to Laurier. Oh, really? Yeah, Aiden was going to yeah, okay. go to Laurier. He ended up choosing Western, but it was really okay. close. Because yeah. I think he thought Laurier was a, it was a smaller campus. He thought yep. that was going to be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you moved to Kitchener. Yeah. But your office was in Cambridge. Yeah, a bit of a long story. I originally was supposed to open up in Kitchener, but some of the local agents caused a bit of a stink. So they said, hey, Cambridge looks like a better opportunity. So I trusted the company, and it ended up being in the long run. Was, uh, yeah. But there, was there someone in Cambridge already? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's today, there's five or six of us, I think. Okay, got it. And yeah. Desjardins, they're following similar rules. Nick's coming in, so we're just going to... Yeah, I don't know population-wise if they're following exactly the same rules, but in the U.S., uh, there's more State Farm agents than McDonald's. So um, it's, I think, every 10,000 people, they want a State Farm agent, or they, they did back in the day. Okay, got Desjardins, it. Desjardins, I'm not 100% if that's uh, what their model is, but they, they're looking at growing. So, I mean, they, they want more agents. 
Got it. If you're looking at changing careers, Tom, I can. No, no, I'm just curious. Yeah. How, I know how that works. Before I ask you the next question, I just want to catch Nick up to speed. Nick, we just finished talking about what a great Oracle sales rep I was and how Ted, uh, Ted, no, I called you Ted. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ted, Todd, it was a long weekend. I was just, I was explaining to Todd that it's been a long, it's been a long weekend that I've barely, we had a guy's weekend up at uh, mm-hmm. a friend's cottage. It looks like it was a guy's weekend. And uh, I'm still suffering. But so sorry about that, Ted. I won't, I won't, I won't. <laughs> I'll do that again. I'm but, looking uh, at Todd's shoes. They're blue and blue and brown. But and then I realized they go with your jacket. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I kind of lost my voice this weekend too. <clears throat> yeah, it was a little bit of a rough weekend. Did you guys tell everyone I was thinking about it? And did you guys tell everyone about your uh, nine to five sucks signs? Yeah. Yeah. In there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. good, yeah, good, yeah. good. And I forgot though. He just reminded me that we were going to quit. On, somehow we were convinced we were going to get ourselves on breakfast television. And we were going to quit. It's not that hard, I think. Yeah, especially yeah. I think if we were going to quit live on TV. Oh, we yeah. Were, yeah, yeah, we yeah, were yeah, going to yeah, quit. Yeah, yeah. And that was going to be our promotional stunt yeah. for the 9 to 5 Sucks event. That's right. Which was, uh, we had the hall booked. It was the convention center downtown. Yeah. Room yeah. of the convention center. Yeah. And we had Harv Ecker committed. And then uh, Todd checked his notes, Nick, just so you know. And uh, we didn't proceed. It just said delayed on the next page. <laughs> <universe>. Delay hall. <laughs> so I didn't quit. Uh, Todd didn't quit. And then I think I got mad at Todd. I left Oracle. I went to NetSuite. And he got mad and, le- and went to Sleeman. And that's how that was. No. Uh, um, but uh, back to the, when you start in insurance, they give you nothing. So before you open the office, you had to go door. Like, what was the strategy? I feel like I remember you door knocking. Was it a thousand, a hundred doors, a thousand doors? Yeah. So the model back then, uh, so we were, you know, a Dude, scratch. I, I rarely have to turn the volume down though, but hold on for you, for your voice. You let me sit, just sit yeah, close. Yeah, yeah, no, sit, yeah. sit up straight. Um, yeah. So uh, we were a scratch agency. So that means you start with nothing. Um, so uh, they had a model of, they wanted you to have what they call 1500 X dates. Uh, so what that means is 1,500 people that have said, yes, give me a call when you open. So I was training in Aurora. So I think at this time we were maybe, we were kind of half still in Toronto at a sort of half move while I was training. So I was in Aurora. I'd hop in my car right after training. So at 4 or 5 o'clock on a Tuesday, I would drive to Cambridge, knock on whatever, 50 doors for the night, get my X dates, either drive back to Toronto or um, stay in Kitchener. Um, so yeah, so we did 15. So I probably knocked on, geez, if I had 15, probably, I don't know, 3,000, 4,000 doors, maybe more, uh, you know, cause you get a lot of no's, you get a lot of people that aren't home. Now this is 13, 14 years ago. So it was a little, people were a little easier, I think. Yeah, at, but even then, even th- then it was still door knocking was still not looked upon highly. Like if there someone, is even less now though, like 13 years ago, yeah. I used to get the odd person coming to my house. Oh, maybe it was COVID this year. Maybe that's why I'm realizing it in the summer. Yeah. I, I think I've only ever answered the door this year to one yeah. person trying to sell me something, which is yeah. really low. Yeah, it's not a high success rate, um, but I wasn't selling anything at the time. It's just like, hey, what's your name and number? Can I call you when I open? And the thing that sucked, I was doing it in the winter. So it was January, February. So just so you know, remember. if you ever do this, pens don't work when it's that cold. So um, I, had a, I had to use a lead pencil. Um, so it's actually just after I opened Tarek. I'm Fra- glad you got over that business yeah. problem pretty uh, easily. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> well, you try that. Somebody's no, giving you a number. You're excited. Yeah. You're like, shit, the pen doesn't work. Um, but anyway, Tara eventually when we, after I opened, I, I wore just cause it was always dark in the winter. It's dark at five o'clock and I had a black jacket. So I wore red gloves and a red toque. Just so you know, give a little bit of color. So Tara actually framed that. It's in my office in Cambridge. I like how you like, planned that. Yeah. You planned the red hat and the, yeah. and the, the red suit <laughs> and right. the red gloves. But, but yeah. we have people listening to this who definitely yeah. want to quit their jobs and do different things. I don't understand the motivation that would get you to drive from Toronto, east side of Toronto, to Cambridge and door knock 
what was the driving motivation? Like, how bad did you hate Sleeman? And then, or I'm not just trying to pick on Sleeman. Yeah, I just yeah, no, no, yeah. So, I, yeah, I didn't hate Sleeman, but you know, I was working for somebody else, and uh, this was an opportunity to to work for myself. And you know, we were moving to another city. Tara did not have a job lined up. It was basically burn the boats, and we're all in on this. So, if I didn't do that, we weren't going to succeed. So, it wasn't a choice. It was I just had to do it. Were you looking into the future at all? Or was it just, I didn't like working for someone else. I wanted to work for myself. Because I remember when I was telling Carol, mm-hmm. and I think I had this discussion with, with Nick, but Nick, you know, it was more of a negotiation with Carol. I, I literally drew a little line graph saying, hey, you know, when we quit, when I, when we quit mm-hmm. and I leave Oracle, and then, sorry, NetSuite, yeah. um, my income is going to drop pretty dramatically, yeah. but hopefully then it plateaus and then it recovers and we pass the progression yeah. that it yeah. would have been on. And that was my little kind of, persuasion technique that's all i kind of you drew a wave (laughs) yeah Yeah, i drew a wave. It was a very persuasive wave and uh that you know that was me looking into the future because i remember thinking if i keep on the path that i'm currently on in life i don't look like the way i look personally in 20 years because i remember it was like you know early really early 30s i'm like at 50 if I have to beg and plead for two weeks vacation yeah. so that they don't give away my accounts to the hungrier sales rep that yeah. doesn't take the two weeks of vacation, yeah. you might as well stab me in the leg because that's not the life I want to live. Yeah. So that was kind of, I was looking at that. Yeah. So it sounds almost identical to the conversations we had. You know, I was at that same point where, you know, you look forward and you're like, geez, like, you know, and you, you watch, you know, we always in software and, you, you know, and then, you know, the, the beer business and there's not a lot of money in the beer business. So going back to software and, you know, there's a lot of money to be made, but you know what happens. Guys are somewhere two, three years and they're somewhere else and looking forward. Yeah. Whether I'm 50, 55, you know, is that really what I want to be doing? Uh, and financially, am I going to be where I'm at or, you know, where I want to be? Um, so yeah, same idea projections. Hey, Tara, this is what it looks like. This is what we're going to do. Um, and then just went at it. I mean, again, I had no choice but to knock on those doors. How naive do you think your analysis was? Cause I look back now oh. and I'm like, when Nick and I, it's three months in, I think Nick, do you remember that June? So I quit officially in May. So it would have been the next month. We lost nine deals in a row. I'll never forget this. Nine deals in a row. And now nine deals is not a lot of deals for Rockstar. But at the time, nine deals was a huge amount of deals. And we lost every single one of them. And I think it was Nick that was actually showing more concern than even me. This is how intelligent. Meaning there was multiple offers. Yeah. Right. So like that's. that's Yeah. We tried to work with investors to buy properties. They all we all lost all the deals. And uh, that meant also there was no commissions coming into us. And I remember Nick and I looking at each other, leaving the office late. It was already dark out one day. And I don't know if you said it, Nick, or I said it. I think it was you saying, if we don't start making some sales soon, I guess maybe I said it. I don't know. I don't know how it went that, you know, we're going to have some financial problems. And that's when it really kind of set in. But you don't even have enough time to rest. You just get up in the morning and you get back to work. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the one thing, and I think I actually might have got it from you guys. And that might have been one of the reasons why we didn't quit for that nine to five sucks thing is, you know, it's awfully hard to get a mortgage. It's awfully hard to get any kind of financing when you don't have a job. So uh, the one smart thing I did do was get, uh, I had a large credit line set up when we did move to Kitchener. You know, we'd made some good money in our house in Toronto. So I lived on credit line for literally 18 months. Um, so, you know, that sucked. But again, it was, I was all in. There was nothing I could do. So That's still the most ridiculous thing. Because you think now, I know early on, yeah. right? You know early on, but but I mean, I'm talking about established people with businesses or or they're you know self-employed, or whatever. They are, they if they show that they can handle their money and they have good credit by that point, to me, they're at, 
I, I would have less risk lending to those people rather than someone with a T4 that you yeah. don't know what the hell they're doing at their job. Just because they have yeah. a T4 and they're employed someplace doesn't mean they don't go into the office every day and give the boss the finger and it's only two more days until they're going to get fired. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I don't know why the banks look at people that are like, hey, look, I'm going to be self-responsible because that's that's one of the first things they're showing is like, hey, I'm responsible. I can handle my finances because I've, I've been making things work on my own anyways. So I would rather bet on that person than the person that is like, you know, if I had my choice, that is just kind of with this T4 and you, you have no other information other than like, oh yeah, they do have a job. Yeah. You know, it, it, that still blows my mind to this day. I don't understand mm-hmm. where the bank's coming from with that stuff. Yeah. It must be, I'm just thinking if I'm the risk officer at the bank thinking this through, I'm like, I guess it's just because if you're self-employed, they don't trust they can get any good data from you and that's it. Because maybe the thinking is, ah, this guy is a hustler and he is going to produce yeah, but if, money. If you work for whatever, the accounting firm that's in the building here or something, right? I mean, how do they know how how how, how solid stable, that company yeah. is? Yeah, like just think of, during COVID, how many companies were were impacted, and how many people were laid off immediately, and not, not you know. And I know that's that's an extreme example, but you just never know what's going to happen and what what's going on with that company. I think personally, I'm like it must come, and I have nothing to base this off of, but it must come from you know it, just old policies when a higher percentage of people worked for larger corporations where that typically they didn't really, and you, there was more union jobs and where they were more stable and those yeah. corporations stuck around longer versus a kind of more divided economy where there's a lot more smaller companies and people doing their own thing. That's, I mean, that's, and the, the banks just have never kind of really updated that. I'm sure that's like way off, but I'm just like, I can't make logic of it any other way. I don't get it either. Yeah, I don't get it either. Where's Dave Butler? Yeah, we'll bring the no. Uh, so, I'll just on that note, I'm curious. What is the number one insurance policy requested by people who are self-employed? Uh, well, the number one is their you know the regular commercial general liability policy. Do we have that? Yeah, you have. Oh, that. yeah. that's oh, your thanks, Todd. Thanks for coming. And that's <laughs> you know that's if you get sued. That's yeah, what okay. that is, right? Okay, so, um, you know, because a lot of the time, well, I don't have anything. I'm a small business. Mm-hmm. I don't have it's. It's not the stuff. It's not the computer and the desk that's that you have to worry about. It's you do something and somebody sues you for a million dollars because that'll set your family back forever. You'll never, you'll never recover. Got it. Okay, yeah. so that's the first thing. And yeah. then then after that, then do people jump? What's the next for self-employed? Yeah. Let's just stick with self-employed for a second. What's yeah. the next most popular thing? Would that be, let me guess, is it, uh, I'm going to say critical illness? It, usually disability would disability. be the first one. So that's that replacement of income. Okay, can you describe the difference between disability and critical illness? Yep, so disability is like an ATM in your basement. If you had an ATM, they gave you 3,000 bucks a month. Would you insure it? Yes. Sure. Well, you're the ATM, so that replaces that three thousand a month. So you can't work. You get sick. You get hurt. That's going to give you a monthly income. And the way that you, was your sales line. That's the sales yeah. line that you well, come you can, after all these no, years. That's I, it's it a now, simple right? way to. Can you tell it? how many times he's used that? By the way, he crossed yeah. his yeah. arms yeah. and just yeah. looked at us <laughs> and waited for your response, and then glared at, <laughs> oh, okay. glared at me because yeah. I didn't respond. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, Todd. Yeah, I guess you insure yeah. if you have an ATM in your basement. I guess you insure. It depends. Does the ATM spit out Bitcoin or gold, or does it spit out fiat currency? Well, I can spit out whatever you want. I see some Bitcoin books in here, so you guys, yeah, whatever you choose. Um, but that's just an easy way to explain. That's your monthly income. Critical illness is a lump sum. It's here you go. Here's whatever fifty thousand dollars, and then that's it. But got you it. could still be working. You can still get a critical illness payment, but still be working. Okay, got it. So critical illness then is for someone like me who's going to keep working. It's going to yeah. be better. Uh, yeah, depending. Yeah, and yeah. it depends on what business you're in. Like if the business can run without you being in there every day, then disability may not make as much sense. But 
you know, you say it's a plumber. Yeah, and it's a it. one-man show. Then yeah, disability but, be the one that kicks in. But if someone doesn't take the income personally and they pay themselves via dividends, which are some a lot of yeah. business owners do, yeah. then does the income replacement count or no? You have to actually be taking a salary, like a, a weekly kind of paycheck. So yeah, traditional disability. It's you know back to your T four statement is if you don't have that T four, well then you you don't qualify or you only qualify for this much, even yeah. though you're probably making you know this much. But there are policies out there that are designed for a business owner. Says, okay. okay, what's your gross? We're going to give you a fifty percent of what your gross is. That's what you're eligible for, even though you might show five thousand in total income for the year. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So self-employed general liability was that what it was called? General liability. Yeah, commercial general. Sorry, liability. commercial liability, general yep. liability. Yep. Um, disability. Yep. Critical illness. Yep. Those are the big three, probably. For Those are the big three. You know, life insurance, if that's not something they've set up. Uh, yeah. Benefits, if they've got the cash flow, they might want to look at benefits. Yeah. Life insurance. Benefits. I told a business owner asked me recently for a second opinion on his yeah. general liability for his business. He's around here. Yeah. Uh, I told him to call you actually. Yeah. Because it we, seemed high. Yeah. So. We, uh, we, tell, yeah we, we just dealt with him this week. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Got him looked You're at. Him. nice. You referred Ted over to him. For, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, I just want to point that out. Yes, right? I appreciate so, it. Yeah, yeah, my pocket's right here for anything that yeah, needs to yeah. go inside Over my on the pocket. Shelf, well, makes oh, earning okay. points, but <laughs> you missed it. Uh, yeah, Keith. <laughs> Keith's not on the camera right now, but Keith's controlling the cameras right now. Keith got insurance for his new condo, and he said Through the wrong. Ted? No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said Todd didn't give him. Sorry. Oh, oh, that would be your mortgage insurance, probably. That would be your mortgage insurance. That's different. Okay, so Todd, there's still a hope. There's yeah, still we hope. might have done we it. Might, well, yeah, after this, we'll check to see where Keith got his insurance. Okay, and then for what about in people who are earning T four income? I guess the biggest thing they're coming after, aside from auto and house and that kind of thing, yeah. would be t- life insurance. Yeah, either a whole policy, term policy, yeah. one of the life insurance products. Yeah. Okay, I'm not missing anything. Well, I mean, we as a company, we do we actually do vehicle finance. Like we do a lot of stuff. We do you know invest in as well. But you know, on the insurance side, yeah, it's typically don't talk to me about we're not we're not getting into it about the mutual funds. Press hard all three copies, please. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, like we our core business is PNC, so it's the auto and the home. That's where we start, and then you know we typically have good discussions with our clients, and it leads to other things. So whether it's life, disability, critical illness, an RESP for their kid. Um, yeah, got it. And, yeah. and and all joking aside, I think the biggest thing that you have been great with with the investors that we work with has been the way you've kind of responded to them when they need different assistance and following up with them. And is I guess, is that a differentiator in the insurance business? Because if you're selling similar products, I guess it's you guys are saying it's the service level that is going to matter to you? Yeah, I would say, and I know everybody says, well, we have great customer service. But, I, you know, I think we truly do. And I think, you know, especially when you guys got started and, you know, even with new investors is, you know, just holding their hands through the whole process, especially if they're buying their first investment property, as you guys probably know, they're they're nervous, right? Um, so it's just having the right conversations, just making sure they're comfortable and they know, okay, what am I covered for? What am I not covered for? This is what we recommend. What do you want? So right. we had an investor, Nick, I feel like it was 10 years ago, house burnt down. Tenant was trying to install a water softener. I'm pretty sure it was Todd who insured it. Tenant yep. was trying to yep. install a water softener in the basement. They got out the blowtorch. They screwed up on the installation. They yeah. burnt the house down. Yeah. The entire house is down. Everyone's safe, but the yep. house is burnt yep. to the ground. I Can you map this through? How does the insurance policy work? They had, I don't know if you call it the contents or tenants insurance. I always mix up the two names, yep. but they had like tenants insurance. Um, but then the investor had proper rental property insurance on the property. Yeah. How did that? How does that work? It's the tenant's insurance that's going to cover the house burning down. 
So no, so it's going to be the landlord's insurance that covers getting that house back to what it was. And then they sue the tenant's insurance yeah. company for the money back. That's right. Then they su- we call it subrogation. Oh, I was kind of, I was kind of, la- I was kind of joking, but I'm like, yeah. that must be what so happened. We, uh, yeah. So we subrogate. I know there was a question earlier before we uh, got on air here, but uh, just around tenant insurance. So the the landlord's insurance does not cover putting that tenant up somewhere, right? Uh, it only covers you know the lost income. So if the if the tenant leaves, and says, well, I'm not paying rent because there's no house there. We cover that, but there's no coverage for a tenant. That's part of the tenant insurance. Okay, so uh, so step by step here, you covered the rebuild of the house. Yeah. Did you cover lost income on the rent? Correct. Yeah. Okay, so yep. you covered lost income yep. on the rent to yep. the investor. That's right. So it looked like they were still making money because you guys were paying out yeah, the rent. Yeah, because the bank still wants their mortgage payment. They, you yeah. Know, they don't yeah. Okay, care, so right? that's all yeah. covered. Yeah. Then the tenants had their own insurance, which ended up paying for them because they ended up in a hotel, I, I think I remember. Yeah, so they would have been probably a hotel, maybe even paying to rent them another house. Another house. You know, yeah. their contents. Um, and then, of course, the liability coverage that came into play afterwards. What was the liability? Oh, got it. For subrogation, right? Okay, got That's it. That's the liability portion of the policy. Okay. When they get sued, right? Okay, because when they get sued by the insurance company that rebuilt the house, yeah. then they can turn to their insurance and defend them in that case. Correct. And those things between two insurance companies, because we're <laughs> seeing one now, yeah. um, it seems to take forever. Oh, but yeah. that, but then, it, but they, see, the good thing about yeah. that is that you're not involved, right? Yeah. You let the insurance company handle it. They go after the other insurance yeah. company. That's you right. guys, yeah. they make backroom deals or whatever insurance companies do, yeah. and they work it all out. Yeah. So when you're breaking it down for investors, let's start with a beginner investor, one property. What do you say? How much liability insurance, what kind of insurance do you map out for them? Yeah, so the number one thing is, is you know, what is the property for? Um, and I think your model has changed quite a bit where it's it's not as much rent to own as, as when you guys rent first to owns pro- yeah. I'm trying to think the quantity percentage-wise of rent to own. Right? I got to think it's yeah. like 3%, 5%. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's under 10. I have no idea. Yeah, most yeah, it, people, most investors want to hold on to the properties. Most yeah. of our for stuff now, term. rental, legal yeah. second suites, duplexes. Yeah. Yeah. Some are doing flips. Student properties. Student rental properties. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for us, it's making sure it's insured properly. Uh, and going back to, you know, um, you know, when you guys first started and we first started was, you know, when I said, you know, a lot of the investors would call and say, well, I, I need an owner occupied policy. Well, it's that's not what it is. And if there is a loss and the place burns down and you have an owner occupied policy, well, you may not get paid because it's not the same. Yeah, I remember when people wanted regular rental insurance on student rental properties because it was a little bit cheaper. So they wouldn't pay the extra for the student rental insurance on a student rental property. So you're, so pay, you're paying for insurance in that case and you don't have insurance. And you don't have insurance. That's no. crazy. Because the insurance company wouldn't pay. Okay, so yeah, so, in a heartbeat. Can you imagine? They would look at that and be like, sorry, yeah. Yeah. you're on your yeah. own. Yeah. But we know of cases where people were saving five bucks or whatever. Well, I can't imagine it was more. No, it was more than that. Yeah. I mean, student rental insurance can be a little bit pricier, but yeah. you just work it into your numbers when it's crazy not to not to have the proper insurance yeah. okay so step one rental property insurance on the property correct then the next thing to look at is what uh, type of coverage like what about liability amount on that insurance so we always start with two million okay. um and and the reason that is is that's where lawsuits are you know the when you go to lawyer they're going to assume you have two million yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And the way we got it answered by a lawyer one time was that most lawsuits, I don't even want to use the examples, Nick, that were shared with us because they're just too creepy, but the lawsuits would be um, anything really in Canada is going to come under yeah. $2 million. Yeah. So oh, yeah. if you have $2 million, you're covered on the property. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, but it's more, you know, when I, th- I think of, you know, peace of mind when somebody buys a policy, you know, the likelihood of us paying out $2 million, yeah, it's probably pretty small. But if you get sued for $2 million and you have a million in coverage, 
you're not going to sleep at night because that extra million is coming out of your pocket, even though the lawsuit may only pay out $150,000. Sure. It's yeah. that you know, peace we of were, mind. We were $1 million early on. So like when we started investing, the standard was still sure. about $1 million, yep. But that changed that changed a long time. Oh, pretty yeah. early. Yeah. 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 I don't think, you know, even 12 years ago, we probably started at two for the investors. Yeah. Okay. So right insurance, then $2 million liability coverage. Then what's the next thing? I'm thinking like sewage backup. Like what are all the yeah, things? Yeah. So there's alternate coverages. And, you know, the, one of the big ones is water. Um, and that's our, that's the number one claim uh, in Canada. Now. So it's not fires. It's uh, it's water. Water leak in the basement or water well, pipe Leak in, in the basement, the... sewer backups, you know, pipes bursting, freezing. Um, now, pipes bursting and freezing is part of the standard policy. But, you know, I always call it basement water. So basement water is this, you know, you got water in your basement and you have no idea where it's coming from. You know, is it coming from the sewer? Is there a crack in the foundation? So, you know, anytime there's a, you know, in law suites or, you know, a finished basement and you've got bedrooms down there, you know, we always recommend that coverage. But depending on the area, you know, some areas it's quite affordable. Are there areas where there's more losses? It can be a little more expensive. So the investor has to make that choice is, okay, do I want to spend the extra 20 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever it is to have that coverage or am I going to take the risk myself? Is that how you guys quoted out? You have your analysis of where you're getting these claims and where you're not? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Because I know older areas, like if you go into, like in Mississauga, we, well, I guess when we were growing up there, it was a lot of new subdivision stuff. There was like the trees were all planted new in the subdivisions. The roots weren't really deep. Yep. There wasn't a lot of sewer backups. Nick and I started buying rental properties in Hamilton. These trees are really old yep. and the piping there is a little bit older. Sure. They're ripping right through some of these pipes and there's sewage backups. And one of the guys we hired is like, oh, you guys are going to get this all the time. And that was like shocking to us. We yep. had no concept of that. So you're mapping it out to see whether it's worth it to get the insurance in a particular area. Yep. I tell everyone now, just get anything to do with water, just get yep. the coverage. Yep. Yeah, and you can get as low as 10,000 in coverage. So you don't need, you know. You said the pipe bursting is a regular policy, but what if someone leaves the property? Let's say they go on vacation for two weeks. Like, so if I went on vacation in December or whatever, um, let's pretend borders are open and I'm traveling all around the world yep. freely. Yep. No masks or hand sanitizers or anything. <laughs> yeah. Just gallivanting <laughs> yeah. around the world. But I don't tell anyone. So for two weeks, and, and uh, my and something happens, but the yep. toilet overflows, a, pump, a, a pipe bursts, whatever, well, you know, do, is it covered? Because isn't there a period of time that if I'm out of the house and I actually haven't notified you guys, that they're going to say, hey, you should have actually told us and we're not going to cover you? Yeah, so typically it's 30 days, right? Okay. So that's for investment properties as well as uh, homeowners. So in a, you know, in a two-week situation... No, so long as you didn't do anything purposeful before you left, then yeah, sure. you're gonna you're gonna have yeah, coverage. Could, right? yeah. Provided it wasn't insurance, uh, an yeah, insurance right. scam. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. okay. That's is right. that what so you meant? No you fraud. Not at all. Good. No, no. Oh, <laughs> insurance. It wasn't purposeful. It yeah. wasn't an insurance yeah. scam. Yeah. Yeah. I need the English scam language. I can't yeah. understand the purposeful. I didn't understand. What do you mean purposeful? So someone's pulling an insurance scam, like trying to He's flood their. Yeah, they look leave at, the tub running. Look at the way he dresses. Know? Look at the way we dress. Yeah, no, you know it's true. I mean? It is very different. You're, yeah. you're looking good, dude. You're. Looking you got to take the jacket off. Yeah. We got to cut the sleeves off that shirt, and then then yeah. you can be here. Then it, then you um, fit right in. Okay, so yeah, someone leaves. I didn't even think about that, but someone's yeah. trying to get a free finished basement. They leave the tub running, destroy the basement, yeah. and the insurance covers it. Got it. Okay, yeah. but th- yeah, going back thirty days is typically okay. You know, and what do you have to do in that case? So let's say I was going for five weeks. So then what do I have to do? I just have to call the insurance company and say, hey, just so you know. Yeah, so every company is going to be different. You know, in our situation, you know, we look at each situation. As a homeowner, you know, if you've got somebody coming and checking on it regularly, you know, that might, we'll just make a note on the file. Okay, that you've been, you're going away for four or five weeks. But I don't. I don't want my brother in my house. So I'm going to be like, don't even go close to my house while I'm gone. Yeah, then we might, you know, 
at five, six weeks, you know, you might get a vacancy endorsement on your policy. Oh, so you just pay a little bit extra or something like that? Well, it really depends. So in some situations, the vacancy endorsement will, depending on why it's vacant. So it could be, you know, vacation is different than, well, tenants moved out. Okay, so let's, or, let's, let's move it over to the investor side. Yeah. Then. So the tenants yeah. move out. Yeah. I'm... Uh, going to do renovations, but I'm not going to start for a month or something. Like, what, what do I do? Yeah, so do if I it's it? tenants moved out, yeah, we're going to start in a couple of months some renovations, then it's going to be a straight vacancy endorsement. So you lose a little bit of coverage. So, you know, that basement water coverage is going to go away. Um, and then the, uh, the, you know, the coverage for the dwelling decreases. It doesn't decrease by much, but you get a bit of a decrease there. Um, there is a cost, but because you're removing some coverage, there may not be a fee at all to do that. Okay. But, you know, if it's, you know, a case of right away, yeah, we're going to be in there every day doing work. Well, then we may not even look at adding the vacancy endorsement. Okay. We'll just add a note. What if there's the a fire while, while, you know, so we haven't started the renovations. I'm getting quotes, so I'm only going there once every two weeks to get quotes with these contractors because they're backed up. Yep. And there's a fire while the place is vacant. Do the insurance companies cover that or, or without? No, I haven't notified you of anything. Well, it depends on how long it's been vacant. Right? Oh, Let, okay. Let's say within the 30 days. Within 30 days, then it's covered. So, yeah, if it's day 27... You've got 30 okay. days to notify. But if you're if you're over four if weeks now or over 30 day days. 38, it's you a know, word technically, the insurance company can say. What do you mean technically? Because then that comes to someone like yourself fighting for exactly. your insured yeah, person. It could okay. be that, hey, you know, they, COVID hit and they couldn't do whatever. Got it. Okay, so then they the negotiation yeah. begins. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay, got it. And that the same applies for somebody breaking in. I own a rental property. It goes vacant. Somebody breaks in within 30 days and causes damage. That's covered? Yeah. Okay. But then at the 38-day mark, I have not let you know. Then it's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Okay. But if I let you know to Nick's point, it's covered. Yeah. And again, you're going to lose some coverage, like the water coverage. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's okay. no big. If the water leaks and you're doing, doing renovations and you got to fix the basement, that's one yeah. thing. I mean, but if the house burns down, that's a whole other What about one right? last thing? What about yeah. if it's vacant? We have a really cold November, pipes freeze and burst, yeah. flood the basement. But I have coverage. It's within 30 days. So now I'm covered. Yeah. And there might be some, a bit of pushback like, hey, was because somebody checking on the property? You know, we've but within had, 30 days, yeah, I don't have 30 to check. Days, yeah, we've had situations where somebody's home has been vacant for, say, 90 days. They haven't been to the property. Yeah, that exact, we know, we know it, those situations. That exact yeah. same situation happened. Well, yeah, there's no coverage. Um, and, you know, and going back to, you know, when we talk to uh, investors, especially first investors is, you know, this is a big investment. You know, you're spending, well, what are, what are homes going for now? That, yeah, they're, we're talking 500 grand. It's $500,000. Yeah. Like, you should really be checking on this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, don't just buy it and just hope that everything's going to run smoothly. Like, you know, give a drive by every few months. Just, you know, because typically on the outside, you can tell what's going on, on the inside. So if it looks rough on the outside... Do I get any benefits from insurance if I have professional property management or no? That's kind of like a wash on a rent. We just want to know that somebody is checking on it. Okay. Right? So, okay. you know, and, and ours is, you know, we ask the question, is somebody checking on this property twice a year? Okay. And what about the 30-day mark? If it's a property manager checking on the property, that's fine as well? You know how you said for with yeah. 30 day, if it's vacant for 30 days, yep. I don't have to let you know. So... If it's vacant, but then you have a, a property manager checking on it, it's vacant for six months, and it's just a property manager checking on yeah. it, that's still considered a vacant property. Okay. Because okay. somebody's so not living in it, right? Okay. Because if you have a property manager checking on it every three, five days, well, a lot can happen in three to five days versus if somebody's living there. Got it. Right. Okay. What other policies do you offer? If I want, if I'm scared of not collecting rent and I'm going to, in this market, we have no vacancies, by the way. Yeah. Like a property goes vacant, yeah. a new tenant. Yeah, I was surprised it. by that when I reached out to you guys early on and you're like, yeah, no, yeah, no vacancy. Yeah, it's, yeah well, I mean, when, when you tell the country to shelter in place, yeah. 
people then trying to find places to shelter yeah. <laughs> and there are no yeah. vacancies yeah. <laughs> when they can't hang out at work. Yeah. There are literally no vac. Like it, we are seeing strong, unless a property is overpriced or someone's really trying to get a, you know, a high price for a certain property. Yeah. If you're asking the right price at the right home, yeah. there's lo- there's almost lineups to get places. I, I saw a poll today that said the number of people looking to hope, the hope to own their own, the home within the next year has doubled from this time last year. Really? Right. So yeah. that's where it demand. Now it's a poll. Yeah. So I mean, well, who the who knows where they did it last year versus yeah. this year? So a lot of it could be BS, but it's just the the sentiment out there is that there you know there's interest interest for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think in I don't know if this is North America wide, but at least as Canadians watching Americans, we think populated uh, city centers have more violence than they've had in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So you you combine a lot of factors here. You think okay, maybe do people want to get further out of the city than they ever had before? Our interest rates at historic lows mm-hmm. in Canada. Do we still have people? Even though our immigration is lower, Nick and I were just talking about how we're seeing some foreign-born IT workers ask if they can transfer up to Toronto. Really? And we're seeing it happen. Mike just rented out a property in Oakville here, and that's what it was. Oh, really? Foreign-born U.S. IT worker with a Mississauga office transfers up here and then rents out a place. Wow. So we're not technically not getting new immigration, yep. but we're getting some other new demand that we didn't really see before. Hmm. So you got all these factors playing in. And then anyone who wants to get the home that they really want to be locked down in, they're making the move now. Because everyone's yeah. scared that there's going to be a second wave yeah. and they're going to be stuck at home. Like, I don't know how you guys handled it, but I'm sure everyone was like doing home projects or you got, you know, oh, yeah. getting a new keyboard for the house, a guitar, a ping pong table, whatever it was. Our neighbors couldn't get a basketball net for their front, you know, the ones that sit on the gra- uh, driveways. Yeah. yeah, They were like out of stock everywhere Oh yeah, for months. Yeah, we deal with a lot of... Um like motorcycle dealerships, like ATVs that you can't buy that stuff, you know, cause people, everyone's like, screw it. I'm going to have well, fun. Yeah, hey. If the world's going down, I'm yeah, going to have fun yeah. while it goes down. Yeah. So, uh, uh, back to the rental property stuff, uh, the vacancies, do you offer insurance? If I'm like, you know what? I'm just scared that I'm going to have some vacancies and I want to cover, I want to insure my rent that, that you can't No. Do. So we talking about, yeah, somebody just skips out and I've got six months of no rent. No, no, not no rent yeah. going forward. Yeah. I, I, I can have three months until I fill the property with a new tenant. Can you cover me for that? Can yeah. I insure against yeah, that? We don't know. Okay. I know there are things out of the market there for, uh, there people. are, I yeah. have seen some yeah. of them. Okay. And then what about, um, damage on the property by the tenant? Yeah. That's so we don't cover intentional like vandalism, but going back to the situation of, you know, that tenant, doing some renovations on the home and they cause that damage. Yeah, that's not intentional. So there's certainly coverage for that. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So then, and then after that, then it's pretty basic. Regular rental insurance. You decide what options you're, what you want to pay for, what you're not going to pay for. Yeah. Then it's deciding to pay annually or monthly. I don't know. You guys just do it annually? Yeah, most people go monthly because there's no cost associated with it. There's no difference. No difference at all. So pay monthly. One insurance company I was dealing with for my cars mandated that we had to go with them monthly on a Visa card. Yeah, I have the I have the same one. So, so I, they, I couldn't pay annual. I couldn't pay annual. Yeah. I had to go monthly, and it had to be card. on a credit card. Yeah. So, you know, not knowing why they do it, but I, we, I actually don't like when people pay annual. Um, and the reason is, you know, they you, you get it in the mail, it sits on the counter, and you forget. And then my office is having to reach out to get a payment. Uh, not to say that you would do that, but I, I find with annual no, payment, no, people we'll often work. will forget that they need to make a payment. Now we've got a policy that's lapsed. We have to rewrite it with a monthly. The, the money just keeps coming out. My biggest confusion, and I'm sure you just laugh at this, but my biggest confusion with insurance policies is always that the invoice doesn't tell you what the policy is for. 
And we have a few. Some renew- of them do. The, the property them. ones do. From the, your yeah, office, the, the property, sorry, the property, property ones. Yeah. Yeah. With your yeah. But critical illness, disabi- yeah. disability, they all just say like, there's an invoice. Here's how much yeah. you do. How many times have we emailed you? Every year, Todd, yeah. what the hell is this yeah. for? Oh, yeah. yeah, and I'm sure we're <laughs> Yeah, just we've got, you know, on our, our life business, we've got some work to do on our. Uh, our it's in- not just you guys, though. Yeah. I feel like it's yeah. every company oh, yeah. out there's there a lot with these policies. You just get this invoice. What is this again? Yeah. Yeah, got it. Okay. And then what do investors, what mistakes do you see investors making on insurance? Are you seeing any obvious stuff regularly? Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is if there's any kind of a change going on in the property, call us. You know, so going, you know, vacancy. Um, I'm changing it to a duplex. Uh, I'm going to make it a student rental. You know, we just called, we just had an oil furnace changed over to a gas one. Oh, absolutely. And s- same thing. I just sent a quick email saying, yeah. hey, I don't know, you probably, you guys probably need to know this. Yep. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Just stuff like that. Yeah, just to be said, hey, we put a new deck. A lot of it's not going to change the premium. It's not going to change oh, the Oh, I'm not doing that. Then you guys are going to up the policy. <laughs> not that one. It's fun. I, just I, anything I, where I think the policy is going to go down, down I yeah, tell you guys. Yeah, anything yeah. else? No, yeah. forget about it. Yeah. Okay. And then what are the mistakes on claims people do? Like, for example, it's high winds three shingles blow off the roof. Is it worth it to make the claim or not? Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll often, and and most of the time we're quoting thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollar deductibles. And again, you know, the client's choosing, but you know, when they call in, you know, we'll often either say, Hey, get an estimate or, Hey, we can send out one of our preferred partners. There's no cost to do that. And then decide if you want to make a claim. Okay. So let's say, cause I'm curious about this. So let's say there was some wind damage. We'll use the roof as an example. And they put in a claim yep. and they had a $2,000 deductible. It was a $5,000 job. So they're like, yeah, sure. I'm going to use my insurance. Sure. How does that impact them going forward? Like that is now a claim under their home insurance. Is there, do you guys keep track of that similar to like car insurance? Whereas you sure. have multiple claims. Yep. Yeah. So how does much of that impact them? And, the, and when does it make sense? Cause we screwed up totally. Like at, at our parents' house, this big tree fell over. I went there. I don't know where the hell you were, but you got lucky. I went, I had to rent chainsaws, went cutting this thing, trying to rip this root, the roots out. It was a big disaster for the, it was a full day job. And someone's like, why didn't you call the insurance company? I'm like, damn it. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. You, you know? So but how much damage we, was it? It was, um, it doesn't matter. It was my labor. My labor is very expensive. <laughs> my labor is well, at least worth $10,000. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. no, I don't know. I don't know, but it was, uh, yeah. But anyways, so. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's the client's choice what they want to do. So, you know, $2,000 deductible, 5,000 in damage. Hey, we'll pay three if you. But what's the impact on me long term? Yeah. So the impact on that property, you know, they're likely going to see a rate increase, you know, probably 10 to 20%. Okay. Cause they're going to lose a claims free discount. 10 to 20%. Yeah. For how long? Uh, well, it'll last, yeah. he's so it'll last no, for a few years. For okay. a few years. So if I pay 5000 But that's bucks, not the biggest. That, well, 5000 would be a large premium. So, so, you yeah. need, so it's got to be like a 10000 yeah. Is it a large premium? Because what do you pay for? Like, well, 5000 for premium is a lot. But you know, let's say you're paying 1200 So ultimately, okay. Well, 1200 You pay more than 1200 for home insurance, don't you? Well, I'm just to make the, the numbers easy. Okay. Um, you know, so if, if it's you're a... not paying th- that much more than 1200 though. If it's a know, 20% rate increase, so it's really, okay, so really for 240 bucks over three, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to okay. put that claim in. The issue is, well, what if you now have another claim next year? Now, all of a sudden, your insurance company might look at dropping you. Or really? saying, hey, we're going to insure you, but we're going to take out this coverage. You're, or you're, we're going to force you to take a $10,000 deductible. Even if they're... So even... It doesn't... Does it matter if they're weather-related? So like, it's it was obvious there was a windstorm and it was like a weather-related yeah. thing versus someone accidentally did renovations and lit the house on fire. Do they differentiate Yeah, the so there will be certain claims that are rateable and not rateable. Um, I won't go through all those with you, but yeah, there are situations like, well, this is completely out of the control. It was a catastrophe. So we used to have what we called catastrophic events where it's like, well... You know, thousands and thousands of people are affected by this, so it can't be a rateable claim. 
Okay. And then if an insurance company kicks us out for some reason because of too many, too, I was going to say too many claims, but it's like two yeah. claims. If they kick you out for that, does the next insurance company have visibility into that? Yeah. So they may or may not have visibility, but they're going to ask that question. Oh, God. Have it. you had claims on this property okay. in the last number of years? And if you say no, well, now all of a sudden you're lying. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that my first question was like, well, if you don't tell them. But <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, 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 then when they find out after, if you have a claim afterwards yeah. and they find out you lied during that period, then they have an out to not cover yeah. you, right? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, so I mean, we're never going to steer somebody from not making a claim. Ultimately, it's their choice. But, you know, if somebody, you know, if the Delta is 700 bucks, would you really want that on your, on your record? Right. You, you know what? I uh, I always think insurance is the best business in the world. But wasn't it like a few years ago you were trying to tell me that insurance is really bad and there's so many claims right now because of like weather patterns or wind or flooding? Yeah. yeah. So 2018 was for everybody. I think was, this is you were just coming yeah. in to try and tell us why all our rates were going up and you had some yeah. some pocket excuse. That yeah, you're sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the issue with, you know, we talk about home insurance or rentals or any type of fire insurance. It's weather dependent. So if we have a really bad couple of years, then what happens? Everybody's rates go up. So 2018, I can't remember who it was, you know, what was paid out in that year was the same amount that was paid out the prior 10 years in the industry. I think that's what the numbers are in claims. So what has to happen? Well, rates have to go up. But if there's a few years of, okay, things are stable, then now maybe rates come down or they don't rise. Um, it's the same with car insurance right now. Car insurance has gone up. It was down. Remember, it was mandated down 15% maybe five years ago. I don't remember, no. Um, but now it costs more to fix a car. You know, you, a bumper that doesn't look like much. Well, it's got beepers and sensors. It's 3000 bucks. It doesn't look like a hell of a lot. And the other thing, too, is, is, is this, distracted driving. Yeah, that's the big one. It's huge, yeah. right? And it's not even just phones. It's the infotainment systems in cars. The, you know, when that first came out, that whole new bi- that, that law about distracted driving, you know, because we could use, we used to hold our cell phones. Yeah. About a month after it came out, I was listening to a podcast and I picked up my phone to launch the podcast and I couldn't hear it. Yeah. I didn't have Bluetooth on the car or whatever. And I was holding it next to my ear while I was driving and a cop sees me on the QEW and rightly so, he pulls me over sure. and he's like, hey, you were on your phone. I got to give you this ticket. I'm like, listen, just for the record, I wasn't on my phone. I okay. was listening to a yeah. podcast and that's why I'm getting the ticket. He could care yeah, less. Care. <laughs> but, well, did uh, you, there was a video that was uh, online just, I don't know, whatever, last week. It was three guys in a Tesla no one in the driver's seat three young guys and they were had the music was cranked they were partying they were they were they had drinks i'm not saying alcoholic drinks i don't know if they were energy drinks or whatever they were drinking some stuff and and they started, they were taking a video and they posted it online and you, the damn car is going down the highway right driving and there's no one in the in the driver's seat and I'm just looking at it. I'm like, these guys. Are, I mean, look. I know the things can drive themselves, but that's a lot of trust, man, to put oh, it yeah. to put in that. That especially I never with all the about accidents. That. Insurance companies must be freaking yeah. out on this self-driving stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly some discussion. Again, it's certainly above me, but uh, you know, it's who's going to be the insurer down the road. So in 20 years, is Tesla the insurer? Are they insuring? You know, the car gets into an accident if they're the one in charge of. Well, know, depend, the, the, right? Who knows? The insurance company must, might be happier depending on the way those. However yeah, that, it might that get better. Up, Maybe right? it'll yeah. be a case of, hey, there's, you know, with all this technology that insurance rates go down. But um, but right now there's no way they want to yeah. insure those things. No, I, I guess I'm probably kind of, you know, I probably see it more often because it's not in a lot of mainstream stuff. But number of Teslas, you guys see them, too. Like you probably oh, yeah. see in that industry, you probably see them, too, that yeah. these Teslas decide to smash into things while no one's paying attention. Yeah. So. 
So when someone's reaching out to get insurance for a rental property, uh, are there any questions they should be asking? Like, obviously they can reach out to your office and we're going to give yep. you contact information, but for whatever reason, they're not, they're in a part of Canada. They can't, they, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't know. They don't, uh, you know, they're not going to reach out to you. Is there something that you could just suggest that they always ask that people don't ask? Is it like response times on the claims or something? Like, what is it that's different? In what sense? What is like if someone's going to call a different, ins- uh, uh, sorry, an insurance company about yep. rental property insurance. Yep. What's like the one or two things they should always ask about the insurance before getting it? Um, you know, going back to your rental income uh, question, because I have seen stripped down policies out there where that is not covered. So, um, you know, again, the house burns down. Mortgage company doesn't care. There's no house there. They still want to get paid. So Okay, got it. So you see some policies with I no seen, replacement Yeah, because we will get people will say, well, you know, this is your, yours is a little more expensive. This one's cheaper. That is one thing I have seen um, stripped out. Um, you know, going back to the water coverage, there are some companies that uh, that don't offer that. Like, we didn't offer that 10 years ago either. That's just... Sorry, I was going to... Because I think that's, that's an important point that I didn't realize at first, too, that certain companies if you guys have higher a number of claims even by chance if you yeah. maybe you have more policies in that area so you have a higher number of claims in that area yeah. so your rates could be slightly higher sure so like when people call around and they're just worried about the absolute lowest rate yeah. and and that ranges because next year yours could be lower That's there right. because you might have a lower number of claims yeah which is kind of like there's all these kind of weird things to these rates that that as the consumer, you don't really understand that type of stuff because it doesn't matter to you. You just think, well, that company's more expensive and you don't realize how it works, right? Yeah, and it's cyclical, right? So, you know, are we always the most competitive in any, in any category, whether it be car, home, life? Uh, no, we aren't. But next year we might be. And then the following year, we might be the third most competitive. So, you know, it's really the long term picture of, OK, well, you know, Jesus, you've been the most expensive in the market for 10 years. Well, yeah, rightly so. You should you should leave. But. Um, you know, no matter where you go, and this is what we tell clients when they're looking at shopping around, say, hey, please, you know, please do. But no matter where you go, if, you know, it's ABC company this year, I guarantee it, you know, I'll put money on it that next year somebody else would be the most competitive. Yeah, got it. You know, it's just, it's just the way it is. And, you know, we don't write, and I think I told your team uh, a number of months ago when I was in to see you guys, like, we don't write every person that calls us. Um, you know, as a company, we don't want that. We don't want to write hundred percent of the people that call the office, you know, on the auto side, we probably write maybe 30% of the people that call higher on the fire side for, for home and, and renters. But, um, yeah, we, as an insurance company, you don't want to have everything because you go to an area and something happens and you insure all the homes. Well, what's going to happen? Everybody else's rates are going to go up. The other thing I wasn't aware of is that for rental properties, if a house is all brick versus siding versus partially siding, that changes the rate. And I only came to be aware of that when some investors mm-hmm. were price shopping around and they realized that an all brick home is going to be a little cheaper than an all siding home. Typic- I- yeah. So typically we used to be a really, there was a huge delta between brick okay, and siding. Okay, so that's different now. Uh, well, I wouldn't say it's different. It's, it's not as significant as it used to be. Um, I mean, siding is just more susceptible to things. It's susceptible to water, to, to wind. Whereas, you know, brick. It's yeah, as the customer, I didn't even assume yeah. that though. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. It's a single family house. Just insurance. Give me the best price. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, it's. It's People an afterthought for like, for the, like with the investing and stuff for me, the insurance is always just an afterthought. Like I'm yeah. like, I know I need it. Just yeah. whatever. Get just me give me a, the insurance get, get me and that's price. it, you know? Yeah. And I, don't, I, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's, that's where it always was for me. Yeah. No, it is always, it's funny. You know, we, we deal with some other like mortgage brokers, lawyers, real estate agents that are away and they're all like, yeah, geez, I've got a, an inspector I work with and I've got a lawyer I work with, but yeah, we don't ever really think of insurance. I'm like, well, you, 
you can't close on a home without insurance. Yeah. But, um, and then what about umbrella policies? Do you guys do that kind of stuff? I, I feel like a lot of investors are always looking for these umbrella policies where they cut yeah. coverage on multiple homes. Do you guys do that? So there's... Yeah. Maybe help me understand what you mean by umbrella. Like so they'll get one policy and it'll cover three properties three locations. and they're okay. paying for $2 million liability, but it's not $2 million dollar liability per property. It's $2 million liability for the policy. Yeah. So that if one thing happens on one property, they're yeah. covered at $2 million, But if they had three claims all at $2 million on each yeah. property, they're kind of screwed. Yeah. So, I mean, you call that an umbrella. I mean, ultimately, they're paying for it on each property. It just doesn't look like that on the paperwork. Yeah. Is that what's happening? Yeah. I mean... Okay. The company knows you've got three properties. They're going to charge you a premium based on three properties. So we typically do it as a what we call our personal lines, um, but we can also do rental properties in our commercial lines where it's all it is is all the properties are on one policy. So that's it sounds to me like that's what you're talking about when it's an umbrella. Well, the, the, the only difference here is that if you had two claims in one year yeah. and it exceeded $2 million, so you literally have $2 million worth of liability, not $2 million per property. So if two houses burnt down, oh, okay. So we're might, talking about yeah, the aggregate amount of liability. Yeah, yeah we don't. So yeah, okay. We don't have an aggregate. Right. Commercial policy. Better. We don't have an aggregate. We used that, we used to be if you had two million in liability, your aggregate was four. Now on a commercial policy, if your if your liability limit is two million, there isn't. We're not going to lock you down after you hit four. Yeah, got it. Right? Got it. Yeah. And I think we've told everyone from everything we've seen, it's always best to, if you want $2 million liability, get individual policies per property. Don't try and yeah. do all this thing yeah. under one policy. It just gets way too complicated. Yeah, now there is something what, what we call an umbrella. So let's say, Tom, you've got two cars, a house, and three rental properties. You can buy extra liability that will sit on top of all of those. So that's what we call it. When you say umbrella, that's what I see as an okay, umbrella. And sorry, what's that doing? It's just giving you extra liability on everything you own and you insure with us. Got it. So, okay. you know, let's say you're two cars home and three, three properties. Let's say they're at a million. You haven't looked at it in 12 years and it's at a million. Rather than adding a million to each property, one, it's cheaper by getting this umbrella policy and sitting it on top, but it just gives you a little bit better coverage. Okay. So it's or you can make it policy. 2 million. So now you've got 3 million. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And you have people doing that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When you were going to quit, was there any books or anything? Like, did you, what were you listening to or what books oh, had a big man. impact on you? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, it's funny. I'm rereading and I'm, and I'm doing a better job and I've probably read them. I don't know how many times, but um, uh, I just finished again. Um, uh, how to make friends. What is it? How, uh, to, how to make friends and influence people. And influence people. people. Dale so, Carnegie. Yeah. How is it rereading it now? I haven't read it in a bunch of years. Is the English too old? Uh, no. Uh, no, and maybe mine's an updated copy that, okay. I, that I have. Uh, and I've lent it out so many times. I've had to buy these books. I don't know how many times I've had to buy. So that one I just reread, and I don't know if the last time you read it, but the, you know, he says, okay, read a chapter, then go back and read it again. And then what I would do, I would highlight. And then what I've now started doing is I have a book where I make notes on the books I've read. Because it's always hard to f remember, you know, to consolidate, you know, everything in one spot. So now I have this book. So just reread that. And then the other one I'm reading again right now, and this is probably the fifth or sixth time, is Napoleon Hill. Um, Think and Grow Rich. You're Think and Grow Rich. So, um, Are you sure you're reading these books? Because I'm giving you the titles. <laughs> <laughs> details, details, Tom. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so doing the same with that one. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, what I, what I honestly do is I'll read a, like a, a business book, and then I read a fiction. I'll read a crime novel or something just to mix it up. Yeah, cool. I think I need to read more fiction. Yeah. Just kind of break. When I was reading a tiny little bit of fiction, I found it was just very freeing. It was relaxing for my brain. Most yeah. of the reading I do is nonfiction. Yeah. And it's kind of heavy. 
I read Peppa Pig stories to my daughter, <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I'm well versed in uh, in the fiction. I'm yeah. rereading the Sovereign Individual. Did you ever read that book? No. It was published in 1997. It's freaky. In the first chapter, yeah. it talks about a cyber currency coming out in the next 20 years and how that cyber currency will wow. give independence to people and governments will try to thwart the cyber currency with more and more aggressive measures. We just heard that India today is thinking about passing um, uh, think about passing a law to um, outlaw uh, crypto trading yeah, yeah. in India. Oh, really? And I'm reading this book. It was written 20 years ago. And it's yeah. like everything they are saying is coming true. Yeah. Sovereign Individual. Have you heard of this book? Uh, I think I have. I yeah. Read oh, it's it, great. Yeah. It's a yeah. great read. Yeah. Okay. It seems like all like yeah. all of it's coming true right now. Yeah. That and The Fourth Turning, that other book that I kind of mentioned. Todd, thanks for doing this. Man. If someone wants to reach out to you, how do they, uh, how do they find you? Uh, so we've got two offices, one in Cambridge and Guelph, but I'll just give you one uh, website. So it's uh, insurancetodd.com. So two D's and Todd is not Ted, insurancetodd.com. Insurancetodd.com. Yeah. I got it. I yeah. know you're Todd. Um, that's Ted easiest was way. a little slip, dude. Yeah. Had a bit yeah. of tequila on yeah. the weekend. Man. It was an <laughs> honest little slip. Insurancetodd with two yeah. D's.com. Yeah, or just Google Todd O'Donnell Insurance. It'll come up. Either office will come up. And uh, yeah, I got to tell you, we've got 12, I got 12 people working for And you don't have so. to, and I should say this for investors, because you've dealt with a lot of investors right. over the years, your properties don't have to be in Cambridge or Guelph to get them insured. No. You're insuring, insuring properties all over the GTA. Ontario, yeah. Yeah. Condos too? Condos. Yeah. Rental condos. Yeah. And we didn't talk about automobile and stuff, but you're doing all of it. InsuranceTodd.com. Dude, thank you. Thanks guys for having me. Appreciate it. Hey everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed that episode with Todd O'Donnell. A great guy. Very thankful to have crossed paths with him. He has helped a lot of Rockstar Inner Circle members um, get insurance on their properties. So uh, yeah, just grateful that he's been able to help us so much. And if you are listening to this and if you want to become a Rockstar Inner Circle member yourself, you can find all the benefits at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And with the code YLYT, you can save $200 off joining up as a Rockstar Inner Circle member. That's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.